This is Strange Assembly episode 216, Masters of War. All right, we're here. This episode is titled Masters of War. That means, of course, we're here to talk about the Crab Clan because they, you know, are the ones who have the eternal vigilant war against the darkness that preserves the Empire from exterior threats, right? Wait, I thought this was Crane Part 2. I'm, I'm, I think I missed a memo. It's, it's Crane Part Negative 1. It's like the inverse of the Crane. Oh, okay. Yes. I only read as far as C, R, and A, and then just assumed it was the crane again. <laughs> uh, no, of course, I'm just tweaking you all out there. Masters of War is about the lion. The crab are constantly in conflict, even more so than the lion, but it's kind of a different kind of war. So, right. But that is J. Earl. Hi. I'm Chris Stevenson. And you are listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there on Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Music Store, or uh, anywhere else that you happen to get this one. You can probably subscribe. We're just going to look today at the... Lion Clan preview article, Masters of War, which was really, uh, we're recording on June 14th. That article was put up on June 14th. I believe that along with some other previews that have gone up, we've now seen all of the Lion Clan characters. I've not been tracking, but I heard people talk about with Crane that there were only like two that weren't fully spoiled, and they were both partially spoiled. So I assume that's also true here. Yeah, or maybe I'm thinking conflict cards. But still, yes, large percentages. There's about, I think tw- I think there's 24 cards for each faction. Or I'm assuming they're even. Like And like for Lion and Crane, it's been 14 Dynasty, 10 conflict. And mm-hmm. I think in the... We'll, there will be... right there. I think there's going to be more neutral conflict cards than there are neutral Dynasty cards. Sounds, yeah. It will be interesting. I think that that makes the Dynasty decks pretty samey at game launch. Yeah, well, well, especially in the, you know, one-core set setting, but yeah. In the one-core set setting, you get to, right, they're going to let you combine two different clans, right? Or something like that, when you build out of the, the base box, like for those Gen Con tournaments? For those Gen Con tournaments, it said something along the lines of, you'll use the deck-building rules described in this section of the rule book, which probably is, yeah, mush two together, but... It, yeah, yeah. Well, because if you, with 14 Dynasty side cards, if you aren't dipping into neutrals, which obviously you may well be, if you aren't dipping into neutrals, that would be 42 cards, with what appears to be a deck minimum of 40. And there are, I think, maybe seven neutral dynasty cards that like there's at least one neutral holding and at least three neutral personalities and then we're not sure what the other ones are i think you ultimately would have like 63 if you put every single dynasty card you were allowed to put in your deck and so you're just (laughs) getting rid of a third of those (laughs) so within a faction i think the dynasty decks are going to be pretty samey at at launch there will be more variety in the conflict decks i think because you can go out of clan there i guess that could also make less variety in some senses but it won't necessarily be like every single lion deck has exactly the same 
conflict, whereas they might be close to having the exact same dynasty. Yeah, no. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about some of these cards. There's several in here that I'm like, yeah, that's a really cool card, but I bet in a year from now, most Lion decks are not going to want to play it. Yeah, well, they have, they but, have some really nifty ones. They won't ones have there. a choice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we got confirmation of what we kind of already knew about the Lion here, which is that they're spamming out lots of guys and attacking with military. Good lord, are they spamming out lots of guys. <laughs> they have more relatively cheap guys, including a zero fate cost character. And yet, and yet, I, I suspect they, if they have the right flop of, of cards in their provinces, they could still have a difficult time keeping up with their production. But of course, they also got several cards that just put characters into play for free. Right, and I think that's going to be the strength of their swarm, really, is things like that. That, And also, there's one that, you know, gives a fate token to all your dudes when you win. Now you can much more easily keep your board turn over turn. It, yeah, so that was for the greater glory. And I, I actually think out of out of all the cards in that we we just saw for the first time today... That is the one that is the most impressive. Yeah. For one fate, after you break a province during a military conflict, you place one fate on each participating Bushi character you control. Noting that maybe three of their guys aren't Bushi, and they tend to be political folks anyway, so relatively unlikely to be attacking in a military conflict. But let's say that you have just three guys in your attacking army when you break a province that lets you turn one fate like one fate and one card into three fate on the table you may get more than that like just economy is good yeah. and it could really mess with your opponent's calculations if your opponent is thinking in terms of oh these guys are going to go away and so I can let them attack this turn and then handle it later you can't do that against the lion no no you not <laughs> That wasn't the only card that did something like that. There are several things in here where part of the way the Lions sustain their collection of bodies is cards that stop guys from fading away. Right? Wasn't there a a personality that like as long as you have more honor than your opponent, they can't fade away? I think you have to be up by five, but yeah, there definitely was a dude that yeah, that's, that's another interesting thing that's going to be with Lion is they sort of have this sub-theme of they want to be more honorable, but where Crane were doing it sort of as their victory condition and had rewards for doing it, it almost seems like Lion get punished if they fall below their opponent in honor. Well, there's the zero-cost guy who he just explodes if you're not if you're less honorable than your opponent. Yeah, that's kind of tough. It's not that you necessarily get punished. I mean, it's written as a drawback on the card in that particular case, but you're also getting a two military character for free. This is true, yeah. Those cards are... They're an on-off mechanic, a threshold mechanic. If you meet 
the threshold than they are, you know, above the curve or, or however you want to phrase that. If you don't meet threshold, they kind of stink, including like obstinate roots to the point of possibly just dying on you, just exploding. Obstinate recruits is like a very swinging card. Like we said, he's he's zero fate, two military. Bushi, if your opponent is more honorable than you, you discard this character. That is a really strong personality when you get to go out with him swinging, swinging with him on turn one, but that exploding is a real drawback. There was actually a series of characters who, who did that back in classic L5R, and I think the lion one may have had the same restriction. If there was another character who has player who has more honor than you, you had to sacrifice him, and I think it made him useless. Yeah. Each faction had one of those at that time, but I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy is great. I wouldn't be surprised if Lion players curse this guy in their decks yeah. because it's you have to restrict yourself too much in order to guarantee that you keep him. Well, also it's one of those, oh, you're playing against the Crane, he's a dead card. Oh, you're playing against the Scorpion, hey, he's hanging out for ages. It's really going to depend on your matchup. You could start a turn against the Crane. They're going first. You bring out your, like, I bring out three obstinate recruits. I'm going to crush you, Mr. Crane. And they, like, attack and claim the air ring. Yeah. And then all your guys die. Because you only start up by one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a dangerous, dangerous card. But let's see. What what else did they get to bring out early guys? Like we'd already seen staging ground, I believe, right? The Lion Clan province. Yes, and I think we've seen Akoto Gunso as well. Yeah, and so yeah, staging ground is their I'm sorry, that's that's not their province, that's their holding. Uh and yeah, that Right. We had not seen their province. So their holding it takes up a province itself, but it lets you produced twice out of two other provinces. And the Okoto Gunso, he was the one we had seen before who had pride. And so he you, you, he lets you refill the province that he comes out of. I don't know. You definitely do have to keep your fate flowing, though, because he's, other than that, I mean, he's two, he's two military, one politics for two. That I guess that doesn't feel aggressively costed given what we've seen before, although I haven't like sat down and rigorously analyzed what kind of force you can expect to get at different costs, or not force, military. I have to say that's one of the things that I, I have to force myself to think about sometimes, especially with, with this article where everybody's comparing the lion to the crane, is mm-hmm. that when you see like one card is, say, just picking these numbers out of nowhere, 6-3, and you see another card is 3-6, you'd think of the 6-3 as in a vacuum being mostly a much, much stronger personality, right? 6-3, that that wins battles, that takes provinces. 3-6, that's like good for dueling. Except that's not how it works in this game because the second number is, is not chi. The second number is politics, which is just as capable of taking provinces as military is. Yeah. It's <laughs> I have to like you know kind of like just try to work against those subconscious things. But that was another one. So there was like we saw Tatori, 
in his card, and he is a a mirror image of Doji Hitaru. Hitaru. She was a 3-6 for 5 with 3 glory, who reaction after you claim a ring during a political conflict in which she's participating, resolve that ring's effect. Tatori is a 6-3, and his ability, he's a Bushi instead of a courtier, and his ability works during a military conflict. I like the mirroring of these two clans who are clear, like one is like the all politics clan. One is the all military clan. They're at each other's throats at the beginning of the game. But I did see a a number of people who were like, Oh, it's lame that Tatori is just like, isn't anything new. It's just a tweak of something we saw last week. What do you think about that? No, I, I agree with you. I like that. They are sort of mirrored, although it will be interesting how much is that quote unquote the champion form that all of the champions are going to look kind of like that. And how much is it just these two happen to be mirror images and the other champions as they start to come out are going to be significantly different. I wouldn't be, I'm not predicting. I wouldn't be surprised if we see something like clan champions cost five Mm -hmm. and have a glory of three and their stats add up to something like nine. But did you see the sort of the semi preview of Sukune? The fan, so you can just see her art and her cost, yes. Yeah, and she was extremely big for someone who's not a clan champion. If she's well, not no. it, it produced the speculation that maybe she really was the clan champion now and they were just getting rid of Ujimitsu, because who cares about that guy anyway? I cared. I liked Ujimitsu. <laughs> like, I, I, I like Sukune as well, but... Come on, you like Sukune better, though, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, she she was item art that was so cool, she got upgraded to a personality. She just had some really great stuff throughout the... over the the years, but I guess we'll see that when we... whenever it is that we see Phoenix, which... Presumably will not be for at least a month. So, did you vote in the Crab versus Dragon poll? I did vote in the Crab versus Dragon poll. I didn't see, has that finished up yet? Who won? That has finished up. Dragon won, so the next clan to be previewed will be Dragon. I voted for Crab, by the way, because we've already seen several Dragon cards. We've seen more Dragon than we've seen Crab, so I want to see what the, the Crab is. I mean, I... In the long run, if you told me you only ever get to see the dragon or you only ever get to see the crab, of course I would choose the dragon, but... Right, of course. Uh, It's what's next, not what's ever. Yeah, but I mean, I'm perfectly okay being strung out longer and anticipation building up. I'm I, with the dragon. I'd like to see more of what the the crab are doing with holdings and, and that sort of thing. Exactly. I, I voted for crab because I wanted to see the holding shtick that they're supposed to have. <laughs> I think the final score, it's it like it said something like fifty percent to fifty percent. Dragon wins. <laughs> well, because well, it doesn't. It, it, I think it right. only does fifty or fifty and a half or something like that when it's when it's giving a percentage. But look, Lion, we're we're ruining your time talking about crab and dragon. So we had for greater glory that helps keep your guys around. We had the steadfast samurai that helps keep your guys around. We have Sashimono, which does not keep your guy around, 
but lets you use your guy a lot more when they're out. They basically get to attack and defend. Theoretically, they could like they could attack and defend All three times. Yeah. Well, not four. It attaches to a Bushiyu control, and they don't bow as a result of military conflicts. Oh, okay. So they could participate in two militaries and then a political, but then they're bowed out. But let's face it, you're, the Bushi restriction means your guys who do anything on politics are fairly out. I mean, that that's a bit unfair. I mean, you've got... There are a number of lion characters who have zeros or dashes or ones in politics, but you've also got characters like Master of the Spear, who's a 2-2, right? That character can just do either one. Right, or there Shugenja, who's was 1-3, or... Well, yeah, they've got, a, I think, a Shugenja and a Courtier, but those can't attach uh, the Sashimoto, because that, uh, no. that only works on a Bushi. But, well, they have the Ikoma Prodigy, who's a Courtier, who we have not... I guess we've seen bits and pieces of that, but we haven't seen the full thing, but it it looked like it was a zero one or something. There was the the venerable historian who was not in this. Right, it was a preview video and Yeah, but it becomes huge good. if uh yeah. if you what if they were a zero one and then like got honored and they have it was a dash one. Dash one? Yeah, it was a dash one, but they have three glories, so if you honor them, they're like, raw courts. Is that the one that had action? Honor me if I'm more honor if honor this character if you are more honorable than your opponent. I don't remember what exactly the trigger was. I just remember it had an ability to self honor. Yeah. So yeah, you oh, I'm a court monster. Raw. Yeah. That's at least four that aren't bushi, I guess, because that's not a bushi. I don't think the prodigy, the Akoma prodigy, is not a bushi. The Kitsu Spirit Caller, who has, who is the one who has an action to bring a character back from the dead. That's a 1-3 Shugenja. And then there's also Ikoma Eiji, who is reaction after you lose a political conflict. Put a Bushi character with printed cost 3 or lower into play from your discard pile or a province. So that's a lot of throwing guys into play, although those are one-shots. Yeah. It, it, as they point out in the article... When you just summon a dude like that, you don't get to add any more fate to them. Yeah, and and they you know may just go back into the discard pile or something. But man, can you Tatori obviously, but also honored general. That guy's a beat stick. Yeah, yeah. Because he is by default a five three, and makes all of your other uh, <laughs> lions get plus one military when he's in a conflict. That is a massive amount of force to possibly, just to pop out for one turn, or even just to buy. Mm-hmm. It seems like once the characters get to four fate, they're really juicy. I mean, that is more than half of your production. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to get them and be able to keep them around for too long. And let's see what else is there. To continue the spear theme, there was Matsu Biona. A 3-2 for 3 who, if you already have 3 or more other Bushi when you bring her out, she gets 2 fate on her for free. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's... Is that like... Do you think that's going to be easy to make? Or it's kind of hard... Again, it's it's hard to gauge. 
it's really hard to gauge, but I definitely feel like there is going to be a deck either, if not out of base, then then fairly quickly there's going to be a deck that's just going to be Bushi Swarm, and she will fit right into that. Yeah, well, I think part of the reason why she will be good is that okay, that's not going to work like when you just buy her right at the start of the game out of a province, but later in the game. You just have to like have one moment where you've brought out several guys, and then you can Kitsu Spirit call her or Akoma Eiji her in, and she actually gets the fate. Yes. So free personality, and then they stick around for another couple of turns as part of that that free action. That's that is not to be scoffed at. I'm not sure, but it might be that the only other card that we that we didn't talk about yet is Vengeful Oathkeeper, who is another free personality, sort of. After you lose a military conflict, put this character into play from your hand. Right, which is presumably 99% of the time how he'll get played. Yeah, you attack me, whatever. Don't care. You attack me, thanks for letting me drop an extra dude out. Now I'm going to come punch your face. Free guy, I I break your province. Oh, oh, that's right. We didn't talk about the art of war. So the crane had the art of peace. The lion have the art of war, which, when the province is broken, lets you draw three cards. Which definitely seems like a strong ability. Yeah, it's it's weird. I it's probably better than I feel like it is. I guess I feel like I would rather have something that stops my province from getting broken in the first place. On the other hand, I I am generally of the philosophy that all of the things being equal, I would rather have cards that like help me when I'm losing than cards that help me when I'm winning. Right. And this does fall into that category. Like, hey, if my opponent never breaks my province, then well, great. (laughs) Yeah. Also, I, I sort of suspect that what we're going to see the most common lion play style be is turn one, I take a province, you hopefully don't have enough to take my province. Turn two, I take a province, you don't take a, maybe you take a province. Turn, so just turn four, I've taken a province each turn and not care that much about my own provinces. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are, they are very, very strong in one-fourth of the possible conflicts every turn. Yes. And then they are are solid, but not as amazing in a second conflict. And then after that, they've got some issues. Yeah. All right, now, so I'll put it on the line. i make your official prediction. Knowing everything there is to know about this game and having playtested it extensively since it's been previewed today with all those other cards that you've totally seen, say definitively for us, is Crying or, is crying or Lane? Is Crane or Lion <laughs> <laughs> better? Because I, I, I've looked on people's discussions and th- apparently people feel like they are able to offer opinions on this. So I need yours, Jay. Well, luckily I am omniscient, so I know all of the cards in the set already. I feel like they're actually both really strong, they're just different decks. I feel like Crane is more of a slower control, 
lion is going to be the in-your-face, I'm coming at you. I, I would predict what we're going to see is Crane is going to be one of those clans that the really top-notch tournament players are able to pick up, play something really strong out of, but you know the, the less strong players are going to really struggle with. Meanwhile, I expect Lion to be one of the deck checks at a tournament where it's it's straightforward enough and it's strong enough that a lot of a lot of the middle tier people are going to be playing it. So if you want to be able to do well in a tournament, you're going to have to make sure that your deck can actually beat that lion deck. And then, of course, the really skilled players are going to do something crazy off the wall and are going to do really well with it. It's my lion defensive political deck. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. The switch point for lion as to how effective they are may be how well can they defend, right? Because I think it's entirely likely that if, if you are the lion and you so choose, and you will, you will have the ability to break a military province on most turns, right? You are going to be able to attack and break, but you have reduced effectiveness on defense just in general, and you're terrible at politics. Mm -hmm. So if you, you have to be able to defend, like you're not going to take provinces with political for the most part, probably, you're going to be looking at jump blocking to save the province while losing the conflict. We'll have to see how that goes. Oh, and, and let me come up with yet another one that we didn't talk about, even though I said we talked about everything. Guidance of the Ancestors. This is the plus one, plus one attachment for one that you can just keep playing out of your discard pile. Yeah. I found this a little odd in that it's very similar to the Ancestral Keyword. But is not the ancestral keyword? <laughs> it does not, no. It just seemed a little strange to like right off the bat in the core set of the game have two different variations on that replaying a replaying the attachment over and over again. I mean, I guess conceptually, what, like this is your ancestor coming back, so they, they, they need to be in the discard pile, or else how can they be your ancestor? Of course, you can play it from your hand in the first place, so... I, I don't know. Honestly, and this may just be because, you know, we've only seen so much, I, I suspect that Lion, early on in the game, before people have really figured out crazy combos, is going to be one of the most most pulled into other clans, just because you've got cards like this, or the one that gives out fate tokens that are really straightforward to use, really easy to figure out. For the Greater Glory is a three-influence card. It's a three-influence card, and it only works on Bushi. So I actually think that For the Greater Glory is going to have a hard time going out. Like, Crab might be a, a very Bushi-heavy deck, but... Depends on who else is Bushi-heavy, but... It, yeah, well, I, I mean, if you think about the limited array of things available, right? Like, Crane are going to have a lot of courtiers. Scorpion are presumably going to have a lot of courtiers. Maybe Ninja, depending on what they do with them. We haven't seen squad for scorpion so far phoenix are going to have a bunch of shugenja dragon are going to have shugenja and monks lion can put out a field where almost their entire deck is bushi if they so choose 
I don't know if anybody else is going to have that option. Do you play with For the Greater Glory if only half your dudes are Bushi? It's not nearly as efficient at that point. No, but it is still a very powerful effect, so... I'm speculating off of we've seen two two clans worth of cards and maybe a spattering of other, but uh, again, I feel like the lion has some of the more straightforward options, so we'll see that brought in fairly heavily at the beginning before people have really had time to find the good combos. Yeah, I want to attack you. Always has an appeal to it. Yeah. ABC, always be charging. <laughs> <laughs> that that's all i had to say about the masters of war for today did you have anything else you wanted to cover jay no that was basically it that i mean uh, again i'm expecting that for a long time you're gonna want a lion deck in your gauntlet that's gonna be one of the deck checks that you're gonna need to make for your deck that if you if your deck cannot deal with lion you're gonna have a bad tournament yeah, I think that's a uh, a reasonable supposition. I think that's a, a good observation. Okay? So I, I will close this off by noting that if you're interested in Pathfinder RPG, Curse of the Crimson Throne is really good. You should check it out. <laughs> but this has been Strange Assembly, your tabletop games podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there through Apple Podcasts or on the Google Play Music Store. You can find us on the usual social media. We are at Strange Assembly on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Strange Assembly. I always like to hear from you, so feel free to contact me with your criticisms and observations and such. I'm Chris at StrangeAssembly.com. But until then, for Jay Earl... I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Meow.